0: At the end of the day, I think one thing that's really important for everyone that's listening to this episode to really take away is what can I do in my individual life that is going to help shape the future? I think for me personally, and I think for a lot of people, it starts with really getting vulnerable with your true self and getting uncomfortable and being comfortable doing so.
1: Deep down in your gut. You know there's more to life than waking up for school or work, going through the motions just to get by, and living for the weekend. But you're still scared and uncertain about what your true purpose in life is. Welcome to the Free Time Podcast. Your very own community and virtual support group created to help you leverage your free time as a valuable asset. So you can start to improve your mindset, learn self-empowerment skills, and ultimately find true fulfillment to move you towards the incredible life that was specifically created for you to live. This is more than a podcast dropping three episodes a week. This is a movement. Built around real people sharing real stories focused on helping you make the most of your life by becoming super intentional with your time. Brought to you by your host, Carl Sona. Now, before we get in
2: today's episode, I'd like to make a quick announcement. We're on a mission to build a movement here around the topics of self-empowerment, mental health, and personal fulfillment. These are all some really big topics that we all deal with as human beings, but also they're topics that will look a little different for each of us as individuals. And so I'd love to put a name with the face and learn more about who you are and where you are currently along your journey. So I'm super excited to announce that I'm offering free 15-minute Zoom phone calls with me in order for us to get better acquainted. If you're at all interested in this, please hit the link to my calendar in the show notes below to sign up for a time and i'll see you there now without further ado let's jump into our episode today ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the free time podcast and today you have the privilege of listening to part 3 of the power of conversations and active listening with my main guy ike Elozium. ike how you doing today bro
0: i'm doing wonderful carl Beautiful Sunday. The sun is out. You know, I'm blessed to be healthy, employed, continuing these conversations, and yeah, I'm excited for what's next. Damn, bro.
2: Dude, I agree with all of that. And I think that you pointing that out, man, that is a testament to a lot of the work that you've done, man, in terms of your personal development and your self-growth during this very challenging time. I know that you've been pretty vocal a lot lately um, about your meditation practice and gratitude, man. And I the same, man. It's so easy in these times of civil unrest with Black Lives Matters, right? And and then COVID to focus on the negative and to take your eye off of what is going well. So I love that you said that, man. And I agree with all of that, bro. For the listeners, you know, I just want to thank you guys again for tuning in. If you're listening to this for the first time, please go back and check out part one and part two of the power of conversations and active listening. Ike and I got together several weeks ago during the initial storm of the brutal killing of George Floyd and then Breonna Taylor. You know, We got together and we're like, man, this is not the first time we've seen this sort of thing in America. And we're concerned it probably won't be the last time we see this sort of thing in America. But the one thing that we've noticed is that every single time something happens like this where there's a police brutality situation with an unarmed African-American individual, there is a big outcry and then things just sort of die down, right? And it's like the whole situation just gets brushed under the rug and people just continue on about their day. And so we really wanted to leverage this platform through the Free Time Podcast because this, this is a personal development podcast. This is a podcast for people that are striving to figure out how it is they become better human beings in their life. And so we thought we'd use this as a way to keep the conversation going, right? I mean, we, we both have a very unique background in that we're both sons of African immigrants. And because we're African, we are Black Americans, we're African Americans in this country, but it lends a very unique perspective and origin story because our parents didn't necessarily raise us the way other African-Americans in this country are raised. And so Ike and I can kind of see things from a higher perspective because we've got a lot of white people in our lives, as well as a lot of black people in our lives, coupled with this unique experience throughout our upbringing. And we thought that our voices combined would do a lot of justice in helping you as a listener Also open yourself up to ideals and backgrounds and origins that are different of those of your own, so that you can also figure out how to be a little bit more empathetic, right? Towards things that are going on around you that you might just be quick to think, ah, that doesn't involve me, or whatever the case may be. So that's why we're doing this. And for those of you that are new, you know, we've had great conversations about growing up as African Americans. We've had solid conversations about all of the oppressive forces in this country that exist to keep black people down. We're going to actually get into some of that on today's show, you know, looking at some of the history from things that have gone way back to not even that way back. We're talking early to mid 1900s, like in our parents' lifetime in the mid 19th century. We're going to talk about those things and how they still create a wake of oppression for African-Americans to uh, use an analogy from Emmanuel Acho. Ike, what else is on your mind today for the people, man? Just to sort of give them an outline before we dive into it.
0: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head in in so many different ways there, Carl. All of the above, I think is important. At the end of the day, I think one thing that's really important for everyone that's listening to this episode to really take away is, what can I do in my individual life that is going to help shape the future? I think for me personally, and I think for a lot of people, it starts with really getting vulnerable with your true self and getting uncomfortable and being comfortable doing so and so I at mean, the end of the day that's the one way that we can truly grow as yeah. people and i think that's what's going to help facilitate the true change yeah in the yeah
2: and yo i mean like let's break that down for them right now Ike. i can mean vulnerability it's it's sort of a big buzzword in our culture today oh i gotta be vulnerable and people get really Caught up in their mind about what that is, right? Like, does that just mean I got to tell all my secrets and have an outsider's view as to everything that I carry within me, or what does that mean exactly? And in my mind, vulnerability is something like what we're doing right now, man. I mean, this is not an easy conversation to have for me, bro. Like, like I, I, I like going deep, and I am definitely not a surface level type of gentleman. But I prefer to keep things light where I can, and I think most of us as human beings would rather sidestep a pink hairy elephant right in the room that we're like quite not sure how to engage. I feel like when I brings up the point of vulnerability and becoming a little bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable, it's things like this, not saying that you need to go hop on a podcast episode or start a podcast to talk about this type of thing, but it's, it's just finding a way to like use your voice, whether that be in question form or whether it be an answer form, you know, to at least start to engage the conversation, yeah. right?
0: You know, for me, vulnerability, where it really starts, it's not like you have to, like, like Carl was saying, it's not like you have to, you know, divulge all of your secrets and share everything and anything that has ever happened to you, but it's really about opening your heart. You know, whether it's receiving and understanding information or whether it's opening your hearts and minds and sharing experiences with those that are willing to listen. And I think that's how we can connect as a society, because for so long in this country, one thing that I've really dived into as of late, for so long in this country, things have just been set up to continue segregation and not allow for integration and experiences to be truly shared. And I think a lot of the problems that we continue to see plague our society stem from that. You know, there's not enough mixture in our cultures and not enough, you know, shared experiences where people can feel comfortable being around anyone, regardless of their race, you know, gender, sex, you know, et cetera. So at the end of the day, you know, that's where I really think it starts, you know, that vulnerability and the willingness to seek understanding, try to understand, and to actively listen.
2: Yeah. And I think a large part of, Understanding this uneven playing field, you know, to put it in layman's terms, that exists in this country for blacks compared to whites, I think we have to be willing to dust off our history textbooks and to go back to what history shows, right? Because we know that history tends to repeat itself. And you've already sort of hinted at this, Ike. I mean, a lot of what we're seeing today stems from things and actions that were implemented way before you or I were ever thought of, man. And one of those things that I recently learned about just yesterday, I I don't know if you're even aware of this, was something called the GI Bill, okay? I had always heard of the GI Bill, but it wasn't until yesterday where I was throwing a surprise party for my girlfriend, Julia, where our mutual friend, Derek Ansa, came over. So now Derek is uh, Ganyan, his dad's Ganyan, and his mom's Black. He's married to a white lady named Aubrey. So they're also in an interracial uh, relationship. And so we've just always vibed with them. But Derek is probably one of the most intelligent and well-read people that I'm starting to really come to know. And he told me that back during World War II, when veterans were starting to come back from the war, again, all male soldiers at that point in time, that the GI Bill was signed by whomever was in office at that point in time, and forgive me, I'm not too strong on (laughs) the lineage of presidents. Whoever signed the GI Bill at that point in time, um, there's actually some verbiage within the bill that promised and guaranteed free housing for all white male soldiers. But the interesting thing is that that same courtesy or that same privilege, if you will, was not extended for black soldiers. Again, common man, right? Common U.S. American citizens that went and did something very valiant to fight for our country.
0: Fought together in these wars.
2: Exactly. And so you you start thinking about how an economy, how a socioeconomic sort of system is structured based off of where you live and based off of some of the access that you have relative to where it is you live and your ability to create wealth. And you, you start thinking to yourself, like, wow, somebody's grandparent got this free home, you know, because of the color of their skin, they were able to sell this home for a huge profit or they're able to keep it in the family, you know, and it just sort of got handed down from generation to generation. Like there is an immediate divide for that individual, right? Because they were white versus the black individual who was told where to live. You know, They created housing projects at that point in time and said, this is subsidized government housing that you gotta live in. And those areas were typically not in the best parts of the city where they didn't have access to good schools or good gainful employment, so on and so forth. And so that's one of those things that it just really captivated my attention, man, because when Emmanuel Acho said in that episode of conversations with a black man that there's this huge wake, right? Think of of like a boat in the lake creating a huge wake. Like there's this huge wake that is still keeping African-Americans down. It's a solid example of that. And that's one of those things that as a black man, I wasn't even aware of. And you as a listener, maybe you're in the majority, maybe you're a Caucasian person. You may not even be aware of, right? But if you're not open to putting yourself in a conversation or finding a way to self-educate, how do you ever attain that information so that your perspective, so that your frame of reference can begin to change? So that's just one example I wanted to share, Ike. I mean, I'm sure you've got a lot on your end. And, you know, I want to make a disclaimer. This is not a history show. I probably butcher (laughs) some of that stuff. But I share it with y'all because this information, this knowledge came about because I was standing with three white people and it was me and Derek. And we're all like, so what do y'all think about everything going on right now? with black lives matters and and the civil unrest and the conversation led to that place where we all had a paradigm shift. So that's the very thing that we're trying to demonstrate right through these conversations is that is the power of conversations and active listening. Now you're listening to this and maybe that's something that you have some interest in. You're able to go research it a little bit further and disseminate that information so that we can all start to
0: evolve. So that's the power right there, man. Exactly. And like Carl said, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're going to talk about history, but we're not historians. But the beauty of what we're trying to do, as we share, you know, our knowledge and experience for those, you know, those folks that are gracious enough to spend their time listening to what we're talking about, what we're trying to do is we're also trying to educate ourselves. And so we don't know it all, even as black men in this country, we are still trying to learn as much as possible. And so to Carl's point, you know, I've just finished reading Color of Law. And as a listener, Take a step back for a second and think about the fact that you recognize that there's ghettos and you know in most cities across the country, and you have like the suburbias where it's majority white folks, you have like the hoods where it's majority black folks. Think about actually why that's the case versus it just being something that's always been accepted. And so what I've learned, especially in, in recent weeks, is how that got to be in you know, going back to what Carl was talking about, it's, you know, these blacks and whites that fought side by side in these wars. Now you get out of war and the opportunities for housing, the opportunities for jobs were not equal and the wages were not equal as well. And there was, whether it was policies, whether it was the government, whether it was, you know, people's actual actions, whether it was the, you know, local organizations, They tried their best to continue to force segregation in most cities in this country to be the norm. And when Blacks tried to integrate, there were things that kept them from being able to do so and kept them in their own communities surrounded by Black people. As inflation starts to continue to rise, the whites that owned land or the whites that owned you know whatever the case may be in this country continue to build their wealth whereas blacks were never given that fair treatment that fair advantage in their lives and so they're starting from really really starting from ground zero the gutter the gutter yeah starting from the gutter and having to try to build wealth for generations to come
2: i'm sorry to cut you off bro i know you're feeling yourself and you're about to get real eloquent with us now (laughs) the pushback i always hear from whites in america is well my grandpa did it or I did it. So why can't you do it? And that's exactly what I feel like they're neglecting to acknowledge is that we're not starting on an equal playing field. If you're dark in this country, you've got to work exponentially harder to narrow that gap and then some to make positive upside. You see what I'm saying?
0: You're exactly right. We all believe that America is the place where you can come here with nothing but a backpack, nothing but your wallet and find employment and provide for your family and give them everything that they deserve in this world and allow them to continue to build upon that. Right. you case in point, us. And so at the end of the day, on one hand, that is completely true. But on the other hand, you've got to realize that the playing field has never been equal. So the chances at doing so are a lot harder for black folks in this country and so you know again as a listener what i would challenge you guys to do is just to really educate yourselves on the history and the whys as to why you see segregation in a lot of places why there is a lack of integration and shared experiences and i think that is in terms of the system as a whole i think that is where we can really start to break it down Because once those experiences are shared and once that integration is something that is a norm in our country, then that's when we start to build a better world for the future generations. And so at the end of the day, we've got a lot of work ahead, but I'm excited for where we are at, you know, in this point in time and what's to come, because I think we're seeing a shift with all that has happened, especially here in 2020, we're seeing a shift where we can really grab the bull by the horn. and make sure that we're setting up a better world for the people to come.
2: Yeah, and honestly really the call to action in my mind is you know, we're all millennials for the most part listening to this podcast and we've all probably been guilty at one time or many others saying, "Man, what a time to be alive." You know, or something along the lines of that. <laughs> and now that I think about that statement, I'm like, yeah, like what a what a fucking time to be alive right now, man. Like there's a lot going on right now that is history in the making. It's literally history right before our eyes. And the unique thing about it is, unlike being in 2020 and looking at a history book that's already been written from something that happened in the the 1900s or the 1800s that we have really no ability to change, we can actually real-time start to course-correct, right? By starting with ourselves and with what we are going to commit to do today to go out and be a better human to help better educate ourselves so we can involve, And so that we have hopefully more uh, experiences with, with people that are different from us so that we can ultimately start to integrate. And so a lot of this episode will really be focused on sending you guys off with an action item, if you will. You know, I'm, I'm really big on keeping things simple. I don't like to throw too many details at people because I feel like it typically leaves people petrified. It's like, well, must, we must do all this, but like, yeah. If you can ask yourself this simple question like, man, you know, every day you wake up, say your blessings, thank the Lord or whomever it is you believe in and say, what am I going to do today to make it a little bit better? And I know that sounds cheesy and pretty stereotypical or superficial or whatever you want to label it. But I think asking yourself that question and having some sincere intent on top of educating yourself and having these conversations and listening to podcasts and so on and so forth, I think that really starts to get the ball rolling in a true, meaningful way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
0: A hundred percent. And at the end of the day, you know, you know, for the listener, it's one thing to be, you know, not a racist. Nobody's saying that, that that's what you are. But we have to all really focus on how we can be anti-racist, especially now, because if we want to see the change that shapes the futures to come, that it's going to be something that stabilizes the, the generations that come after us, then we really have to start with that and figuring out, hey, it's, it's not enough. In two thousand twenty, as we've seen, it's not enough to just feel some type of way about people of color or to you know to know that you don't see quote unquote any color or you know, you're not a racist. It's one thing to do that, and that's totally fine. But we have to do a little bit more than that. We have to figure out how we as our individual selves, how we can do our part in terms of actionables that help shape this future and so you know i wanted something i want to dive into next year. carl is you know we talked about we talked about in the past you know emmanuel Acho, he's doing these uncomfortable conversations you know as a, you know with a black man um he's recording these and you know matthew mcconaughey's been on an episode the one i watched recently was one where he had, had the bachelorette the the one and only black bachelorette and her husband i believe on the show alongside Lindsey Vaughn and P.K. Subban. Lindsey Vaughn is obviously white. P.K. Subban is is one of the few black um, NHL players. And so they were talking about their experiences as a black woman dating a white man in this country and how society perceives that. And also a black man, you know, dating a white girl and a white girl dating a black man, how society again perceives that. And I don't know if we've touched on this enough for the listeners, you know, in these first few episodes, but you know, both of us are dating white girls. And so I think it's important to, <laughs> for the listener to really talk about that, talk about our experiences Love where that this is going. With that, and, and really, <laughs> really help paint that, you know, paint that, that overall picture of why we want to see this world be truly yeah. a world for generations to
2: come. Yeah. I'm very happy you're bringing this up, bro. Um, talk about the power of vulnerability. You know, we've we've chatted a lot off air about sharing more personal experiences. So I'm happy this one's coming up. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, the love of my life is white. You know, she's a white woman and I've always dated white women. I mean, I've dated a lot of black women. I've dated some Indian women, some Asian women. You know, if you asked me in my, you know, in, in my Pip Mac daddy days, what my type was, I'd be like, I don't have a type, man. I mean, female, cool, beautiful. Like, that's my type. Sign me up. Let's go. And As I look back on this idea of nature versus nurture, right, I can full well acknowledge that because a lot of my nature or the environment that I've been put in has been predominantly Caucasian or white American, that that's just what I've had a lot of exposure to. And because I've had a lot of exposure to it, it's never really been a taboo type of thing Or, you know, an apple in the Garden of Eden type of thing where I'm like, I want to taste what I can not have. Like, no, I've been surrounded around a lot of white women. So it's just, it's been a natural thing for me. I mean, and when I lived in Atlanta and I was surrounded a lot of black women, I did a lot of black women. And I think that it's a unique experience because being a black man in America, there can be this... I don't know this internal monologue that you have with yourself, where you almost tell yourself that, like, you're supposed to be with another black woman or or with a black person, you know, to keep things in the race. But I have a huge issue with that because I feel like it's just another form slash version of racism. <laughs> I really do. I, I think that that mentality prioritizes race over the love that the two individuals have and so i love everybody i love black couples i love white couples i love straight couples i love gay couples i love everybody but that being said my heart always jumps for joy when i see something different like julia and i we joke all the time we're out here in denver not the most racially diverse city and so anytime we see a black woman or a black man with a white woman or white woman, we're always like, yes, like another one. Yeah. <laughs> because it just goes to show that love doesn't have to know a gender or a race. It doesn't have to necessarily recognize that. Love can just be pure. And I think that the more times we can be exposed to different versions of love, and when I say different versions of love, I mean from like an outward or external perspective, because that, that's what we're seeing. I think it serves to knock on that narrative of racism in this country. It serves to knock on that narrative of segregation that wasn't all that long ago in our past, right? That existed in this country to keep races apart. So it's a beautiful thing to me personally, man. You know, I watched that same episode that you're referring to on Uncomfortable Conversations. And i think it was the black female the black bachelorette and i'm forgetting her name so forgive me that i brought it up about this complex right that exists in terms of being the first ever black bachelorette and feeling this sentiment of well by default i have to go with the black man mm-hmm. you know and yeah. i wonder if a lot of white people feel that i mean white people listening you know because you've Probably, and I'm assuming, I'm just assuming, right? <laughs> but because let's say you've seen more same race relationships, I wonder if that overexposure in your subconscious mind is playing this narrative of like, oh, that's the right thing, or oh, that's the easy thing, or oh, that's the correct thing. And I wonder if you're leaving a lot of potential on the table in terms of who a perfect match could be for you that could be a different race person. hmm. You see what I'm saying? Does that make any sense?
0: Yeah, you know, all of it honestly really made sense and really resonated with me. You know, it's not too long ago that, you know, we couldn't even be married to white women in this country, you know, and vice versa. And so at the Emmett end of the day- Till was
2: killed because he whistled at a white woman.
0: Exactly, and so at the end wow. of the day, it's like, it's, it's important to recognize like that wasn't too far off. There's a lot of folks in, like, that are still alive that still probably believe that that shouldn't be the case. And those folks, you may not be able to really change their minds, their hearts, et cetera. That is what it is. But at the end of the day, you know, it presents its own set of challenges. I remember, you know, my last serious relationship prior to Tara um, was with another white woman. And, you know, her parents, while we were dating, were openly encouraging her to date a white guy. And they would say things to her, not to my face, but they would always tell her things and then she would tell me. And that's something that stuck with me for years and years. and. You know, when I started dating my now girlfriend, Tara, we've been dating for you know, almost three and a half years. When I started dating her, it's like that's something that, you know, I was concerned about is like, you know, how her family's gonna perceive me and what she thinks of me. And like, you know, we had known each other for years prior to us starting to date. And for me, I was like, you know, did she not like me back then because of the color of my skin? Like, you know, and all these things you just kind of form in your head. At the end of the day, what I found is at the end of the day, when we're truly together, Love is there, you know, and we can talk about, you know, all sorts of different things and really, you know, they truly don't see color.
2: Seeing color when you bring that up, specifically what it means to you, bro. Like, what does yeah. it mean to you? And then I'll share what it means for me because I, I know that while we both obviously see color, duh, we have two fucking eyes that we both really don't see color. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I want to go a little bit deeper there. But yeah. what does it What does it mean for you?
0: Yeah. To me personally, what not seeing color means is that when I am talking with whoever it is, you know, the last things I'm thinking about is the color of their skin, you know, as it relates to what we're talking about. I'm looking at, you know, what they believe in, what their Mm. hobbies are, what their, you know, what their, you know, enjoyment, fulfillment in life, what that looks like, and building relationships based off of that. Because, Even though we grew up in, you know, very similar backgrounds where a lot of our friends were white for the majority of our lives, but we were still able to find really great, you know, black friends. I have, you know, a a good amount of Indian friends. I have a good amount of Asian friends. You know, I have a good amount of Hispanic friends, et cetera. And it's because at the end of the day, I see you for you no matter what the color of your skin is. When I look at my, you know, my past and kind of how I thought society would perceive someone like myself where, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm an African American in this country, but I am African first before I'm African American. And so like we talked about in episode one, we never really had that group, you know, as we were growing up that we really felt like we fit in with. And so, you know, for me, what that looks like is just, you know, seeing someone truly for who they are at their core, regardless of their skin color and anything else, you know, related to that. And so, You know, going back to what I was saying a few minutes ago, I think that's something that is important and something that, you know, is definitely necessary in terms of this movement. But at the end of the day, it's not enough because there's plenty of people out there over the years that agree with that sentiment about not seeing color on all sides of the spectrum. But is that going to create the permanent change that we really need in this country? I don't think the answer is yes, because it's one thing to not be racist. But we all have to really focus on how we can be anti. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, that's what it looks like to me personally.
2: Yeah, I I would agree with all of that, man. I mean, for me, whenever I'm around a new group of people, I'm really going off of what feels good in here. And obviously, this is a podcast, so y'all can't see that I'm pointing to my chest. But like, that really helps me get a solid pulse as to whether or not I'm vibing with the person or the people that I'm speaking with. I'm not sizing them up based off of color. And, and and granted, we all have stereotypes that are top of mind, right? That really come from the brain's desire to sort of shortcut a process that is life in order to help us understand who this person is that maybe you don't know that you're staring at in a room and whether or not they're like you or unlike you, right? So those stereotypes exist. And I'm not gonna like BS it. Yeah, I mean, there may be some stereotypes that I have top of mind sometimes, but it really comes from a place of oh, that's just a stereotype, right? Like I'll never actually meet an Asian person and be like, this person is for sure a bad driver. You know what I mean? Like, or 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 meet an African American person and be like, yeah, all they like is grape soda, chicken, and watermelon. Like, while those stereotypes exist, I don't place any weight or dominance in them sort of directing the sentiment that I have over this individual that I'm meeting right I'm going off of a heart and a gut feel and then I'm just genuinely curious about who they are and what their character is and how they can potentially add to my life right because me personally I love being around people that I can add to and those that can add to me Ike you're certainly a person that fits both of those boxes and so That's how I'm thinking about it. And that's why I would confidently say I'm not a person that sees color. And I just want to clarify that because I think that is a quick thing that people reach for. Like I said earlier, whenever the conversation of race comes up. And I think that to what you were just saying, Ike, if you find yourself reaching for it, oh, I don't see color. I think it almost cuts you off from an opportunity to be anti-racist. If God forbid you're in a situation where you know, things were being said or actions were taking place that were racial, right? Or that were racial leaning in some manner. So I think that our minds really quickly want to solidify how we identify ourselves. And if you identify yourself as a person that doesn't see color, just because that sounds like the right thing to say or whatever the case may be, there may be something happening right underneath your nose that is an issue that you don't call out, right? Because you're like, oh, I don't see color, so see you later type of thing. And and that's really why I wanted to go a little bit further there in that conversation. I know that that comes up quite often um, in conversation, especially especially these days, quite frankly, from a lot of white people, right, that are really making a concerted effort to wrap their heads around everything that's going on. And, you know, I think it's a very interesting time too, bro, because I think a lot of white people, you know, a lot of my white friends, they're doing a lot of reflection on their lives and how they've conducted their behavior at certain points of their lives. I mean, I know you've gotten a a few phone calls or text messages from people that are like, yo, that one thing, like, I'm sorry about that. So that's really why I drive the conversation home. I mean, I I think it's just another thing to be cognizant of, you know?
0: Exactly, man. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, like I like I was saying earlier, it's important to, yes, you know, we all agree if we're good people and have good hearts, we do not see color. But it's another thing to also recognize, and I think where we're really going to really shape the future here is to also recognize color and recognize advantages or disadvantages yeah. because of the color of your skin and work towards solutions to prevent those things from happening. Like we've talked about in the past, you know, whether it's, you know, in terms of opportunities, you know, at jobs, or whether it's opportunities when it comes to education, whether it's opportunities when it comes to housing, you know, you look across the board, there's disadvantages that are ingrained yeah, in our yeah. structure of our country. And so acknowledging and understanding that, and that's why it's really important to dive into the research and do your homework on different things that happened in the past, acknowledging that and understanding that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that's the case for, you know, so-and-so down the street or, you know, this person. And so understanding that that may not be the case and that there have been things put in place because people have felt that way in the past, that's how we figure out how we can, you know, really make some permanent change here. And So
2: So shifting gears a little bit, but still kind of staying on topic, Mm -hmm. what do we say to the individual Ike that's a white person in America today that's like all right, I don't see color, but I definitely see that there is a huge issue in this country as it relates to how African-Americans are treated. What can I do about it? Right? Like that's starting to come up. And I know that you and I were both on the NGC Capitol call Mm
1: -hmm. where
2: we had the happy hour a few nights ago. And that was a common theme amongst the group. Obviously everybody on that call is African-American. And the question came up, man, like I'm getting a lot of white folks reaching out, like, what can I do? And, you know, some people even opened up about how they felt as though whites had some guilt or some ill feelings, right, towards everything going on. And it's almost as if they want to find a way that they can personally rectify the situation to absolve the guilt. What, what would you say to somebody that, that, that falls in that umbrella?
0: you know, it was interesting, like we talked about earlier, it was interesting, you know, being a part of that, you know, a part of that call, because, you know, again, I think the biggest thing here is sharing experiences or having those experiences in general, you know, for example, it's like we talked about a lot of them, you know, were, you know, live in the South and their experiences and, and who they were surrounded by and, and what they're accustomed to is a lot different than, for example, what I've been accustomed to Yeah. of my and, and and real quick, bro,
2: real quick, I want to clarify for the audience. The call we're talking about is a call for one of my other companies. It's called NGC Capital. It's a group of minority professionals. Everybody's African-American. And we got together a few years ago to start investing because we realized that there was a generational wealth gap that existed in this country for African-Americans relative to white Americans. So Ike and I hopped on a call. And a lot of people on the call that were on the call are friends of mine, very good friends of mine. They're family relatives, things of that nature, but they all didn't necessarily grow up the way that Ike and I did. Like they grew up predominantly around African-Americans. So it was interesting perspective, but Ike continue. I just want to give that context for the audience listening.
0: Yeah, you know, they talked about, you know, like I'm sure this happened to you quite a bit, you know, different people reaching out like white folks reaching out and saying hey like you know you know I feel bad about what's going on like I support you and I love you like what can I do to help out the situation and you know one thing that I struggled with was trying to figure out like I felt like I had to have this like perfect answer the solution like yeah you know for them in terms of like what could actually help create change at the end of the day there's a million different things that we can do but you know hearing kind of their experiences and kind of you know what they felt it was almost as like You know, it was kind of like half-assed in terms of asking, you know, about how someone's doing and, and asking how we can help the situation and things like that. Because at the end of the day, you know, they're looking at history and they're looking at their personal experiences. And it was almost like I'm not even going to have these conversations with these people because, you know, it's just going to fall on deaf ears and it's not going to help really do anything. And it's just a waste of my time. And so for me personally, on one end, I do, you know, in some ways I see why they would feel that way. But for me personally, I recognize that in the past, you know, especially given my platform, especially given my experiences, I haven't done enough, I feel like, to really open the hearts and minds of the people that I've been surrounded by the majority of my life. And so I think now more than ever, I'm dedicated moving forward to doing exactly that. And, you know, whether it's me sharing my personal experiences, you know, I understand the privilege in me even being an African-American in this country due to what our families did to, you know, whether it was education or whether it was our experiences growing up, you know, they really did their part to try to shelter us from a lot of the realities that African-Americans face on a day-to-day basis in this country. And so recognizing that, you know, I think it's important for the future, you know, to continue to share My experiences, but also the experiences for folks that may not have the fortune of having white folks in their lives that are ready and open to listening or have white folks in their lives that they can have these conversations with or don't live in areas where, you know, that's even a possibility. I recognize that. And I speak not just for myself, but also for them, because at the end of the day, I think, you know, like I keep saying, it's really important to continue the active listening, to continue having this dialogue moving forward because if we continue to do that and work as a whole as one on different things that we can do to actually help shape the future generations i think that is really what the core strength of this movement lies and so that's my goal
2: yeah yeah man in my mind the beautiful thing about that call i said this to you you know before we got on air today was we all look the same right like we're, we're all dark skin but that aside we have different experiences you know and so the fact that we're able to come and share those experiences it's huge it's everything man because all of a sudden we go from this subconscious feeling that you know it's it's blacks versus whites to wow, okay, here's a black guy talking to me about how he grew up around a lot of white people and he's had some positive experiences. You know, whereas for some people on that call, again, growing up in the South where things have definitely been very delayed and very, very backwards in terms of uh, racial tensions or that has not been their experience. So very similar to the interracial, you know, segment that we, we just touched on a few minutes ago, man, I think that anytime you have the opportunity to hear from people, and whether they look like you, or they don't look like you, but you have the chance to hear a different experience, man, it opens your eyes to another light. It really does. Uh, especially if that individual is coming at it from a good place. And that was the premise of that call was like, hey, listen, we're not going to record this. It's a safe space. No one needs to feel any type of way. We just want you to come as African-American young professionals in America today and simply share your experience in terms of what it means to be black in this country, man. And I know for you, man, I mean, you definitely have a very different experience and and same for me, man. And it has been something that, you know, throughout my lifetime, at various points in my life, I've struggled with, you know, I've struggled with, man, like I'm black in America, but what does it mean to be black in America? Like, does it mean that I need to show up as African-American hip-hop culture would lead me on to belief? Or does it mean that I can just be myself? You know, Carl that wears muscle t-shirts and Chuck Converse from time to time. And you know what I mean? But like, that's been a tough thing for me at various times in my life, man. And that's why I love being in different types of groups is it allows me the opportunity yet to get around people that don't force me into one specific pigeonhole. Because I think sometimes when you're around, you know, let's say the masses, and that could be all black people, or it could be all white people, you can tend to sort of conform. You know, it's the human nature thing. It's a Darwinism thing. It's like, hey, survival of the fittest. And you, you tend to survive when you're in a tribe of people that are like you. But I've always enjoyed being around different types of people, man, because I think in a way it allows me to practice being me irrespective of who the masses are them around. But I think secondly, it helps me confirm that we're just all humans here, bro. We're just all humans that I, I can get along with you as well as I can get along with my brown skin Indian homie, as well as I can get along with my lighter shaded friends that happen to be white, and that to me is like confirmation that like this is doable, it's achievable, man. And one of the things I love about you, Ike, is you know you oftentimes talk about what future generations will look like. You know, like what will the world look like for you and Tara's beautiful kids one day? What will the world look like for me and Julia's beautiful kids one day? And I think that it it, it starts with us. I think that there's a hell of an opportunity. In my mind, honestly, amidst all this chaos, this is a hell of an opportunity to really start to like reflect on that, to really start to ask ourselves, what does that world in the next forty, fifty, sixty years look like? And 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 what can we do today to ensure that positive outcome we're imagining in our minds does come about? And it's everything we're talking about in this podcast, man, it's 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 finding a way to be who you are. It's finding a way to interact with people that look different. It's finding a way to evolve your thinking. I just can't stress that enough, man. I can't stress that enough. I just feel like all of this madness, it has to go towards something greater than the chaos that it's created. And, and I just really want to find a way that we can all get to that greater place united.
0: You know, going back to... virtual meeting that we had the other day one of the questions related to you know what percentage of yourself do you feel like you are in the workplace and you know i thought about it and and i was struggling to kind of find the answer to this and we talked about you talked about you know conforming and how society kind of perceives us and that's something honestly again this is me being vulnerable that's something that i've struggled with for a long time in my life you know because I felt like growing up when I'm, you know, I'm at Creighton Prep High School and I'm surrounded by the majority of my friends are white and, you know, they're wearing fairies and they're wearing, you know, Ralph Lauren and Hollister, American Eagle, you name it. You know, I start to kind of, you know, pattern after their behavior in some ways kind of conform to what I was surrounded by. And so that's something that, con- you know, continued with me where I, you know, put my own spin, I would say my own spin on kind of all my experiences that I had early on that really shaped who I am today. But it's also led to, on one end, people saying, you know, you know, oh, you're not black enough or you dress like a white boy or whatever the case may be. And it's always hurt because at the end of the day, it's like, why can't I just dress this way or, you know, or, or wear this because I feel comfortable in it, or this is just who I am or this is just really what I like. And so at the end of the day, I think it's really about taking a step back. No defensiveness, you know, no feeling like this is a personal attack on you, but just trying to figure out each and every person out there that's listening, no matter what the color of your skin is, no matter what your gender is, no matter, you no, know, anything, you know, but what your beliefs are, just take a step back and figure out, hey, what in my life can I do to be a better person? And how can I be a better version of myself? Because I think in society as a whole, I think there's just these images that we're always constantly you know spoon-fed you know through the media and through you know through you know all sorts of different streams but you know we're forced into these you know these almost these like mindsets that you feel like you have to kind of again conform to when in reality we should all be comfortable in our skin and i think if we can and society can receive us in that light as well i think that's when we see that true change that i keep referring to you know that i think is necessary for us to really see a better world. Yeah,
2: dude. I love that you brought that up, man. I mean, I think that a lot of what's going to need to happen in order for this sustainable positive change to come about where we're all united and you know, a lot of the bullshit that's happening is no longer tolerated is individuals need to get square with themselves. Like like I said, man, the free time podcast, I started the show because I really wanted to go in deeper. And challenge myself and people around me about how we can improve. And one of the biggest points of pushback I'd always get is like, man, dude, I don't, I don't have time, I'm busy, this, that, the other. I'm like, yo, what are you doing in your free time? You know, how can you take a little bit of a closer look at yourself in your free time to identify areas that you are just not hitting the mark in? And so when I hear you talk about, you know, taking a step back and and analyzing and reflecting and doing an audit, I, I I think about all of us as a human collective and what we need to start putting into our daily routine, right? So that when we come out into the world and when we interact with other human beings, we're coming in on a bit of a better note. We're coming in because we've actually taken the time to deconstruct some of the things that, we're not really comfortable with, which is probably why we've just conformed and gone along with things that in our hearts we don't agree with. Like, like think about how many people, yes, conform kind of like how you were describing with, you know, the style and the culture that you grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and same with me growing up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But think about people that also conform to things that they don't even agree with, right? Because they're a part of the family, right? And this is just how the family talks or they're a part of the guys and this is just locker room talk. Like think about those things and start to resurrect who you truly are, what you really believe in, what your ideals and your core values are. Think about that and resurrect it with the person that the outside world gets to see. You know, is there a disconnect between those two people? who you are, who you truly are, and who you are, you know, outside, right? With the masses. And if there's a major disconnect, I really want to help you. I I don't even know how that is. Maybe it's hopping on a call. Maybe it's, I don't know. But I, I want you to find a way to resurrect those two so that who you are in private is who you are in public. And I think that if people can start to really do that, then bro, there's really a very unique opportunity for us to compound that into real meaningful change. Cause I think that, you know, this is a time where we need more leaders and Ike and I, we want to be a leader for you however we can. I mean, and a leader is not a person that is somehow better. It doesn't mean that we're on a pedestal. It just means that we're, we're willing to, to acknowledge that maybe we're a couple steps ahead in the journey and we'd love to be able to provide whatever light and or context we can given that you're just a few steps behind to help your journey so we can all move forward together as a collective. And so my big takeaway is, this is an opportunity for all of us to really identify who it is we are and to resurrect how we may not be showing up as that person. Because it's so easy to have the wind blow you in one direction or the other, right? As soon as everybody's watching and for you to just throw away your ideals, throw away your core values and be like, to hell with that, I gotta blend incognito. I got to get with the masses, even if the masses aren't doing the right thing. So
0: exactly. Yeah. That's my piece and, and on that. You're spot on with that too. It's like at the end of the day, I think one of the things that I've realized, you know, for me personally, and what I think, you know, that we should all really, you know, take stake in and try to figure out how we can better do this is just being more vulnerable with ourselves. You know, I think. It's, you know, in some really fucked up way, this storm of 2020, for me personally, I think for a lot of folks out there, you know, that are listening or, you know, that are out there in general, I think it's really opened my eyes to where I'm at and what I've accomplished so far and understanding that there's so much more work that's out there for me and trying to figure out truly what I can do as as a human being, as an African-American, as as a man what i can do in this country to help really shape what's ahead and yeah. at the end of the day it starts with me Looking in the mirror and understanding a lot of people think that, you know, I am a very, I mean, I am a very outgoing person. A lot of people think I'm very outgoing and I'm, and I'm very open and I share a lot of things that most people wouldn't share. And yet, to some extent, that may be the case to me personally. I don't feel like that's the case. And I think there's a lot of unpacking that I want to do and that I've mm-hmm. already started to do. And I keep telling you know, people that I've had conversations with lately, I want to be an open book as much as possible yeah. for folks to, and, and to hopefully encourage and inspire them to do the same with people in their lives. Because I yeah. think when we take a step back and look in the mirror and, and try to do that, I think that's when we really start to form the very best behaviors and the, uh, the most acceptance and equal acceptance for everyone. And then we can start to build a foundation from there.
2: Fuck yeah. Oh. I I twenty twenty eight. Let's go, baby. <laughs> no, but I agree with all that, man. And I-, I think for me, like, you know, the thing that I really want to resurrect, you know, I-, I just gave you all that analogy. And so running myself through my very own words, the thing that I want to resurrect and that I want to get better about is taking more ownership. You know, I'll be honest. Like, I don't think I've ever voted in an election. I think I just missed the age cutoff whenever Obama came and Since then, I've just kind of had this nonchalance about me, like, yo, like, my voice doesn't really matter. Like, my count doesn't really matter. And so I'm just not going to be a voter. And I don't want to get into the whole issue of politics and why you want to think about voting and why you want to, you know, be a moral citizen. That's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day. But ownership from the standpoint of like, yo, this country is about to be ours. Like, the Trumps of the world, the Bidens of the world, those motherfuckers are old. They're on their way out. Like, our generation, our millennial... Is it Gen X, Ike? Is it Gen X?
0: I honestly... I
1: I
2: think we're Gen X. I don't know. Again, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm just the guy that fucking takes action. Whatever. Our generation is about to, like, take over the reins of this shit. And so... For people that are like me that have had this mindset that, oh, it doesn't really matter if I show up or, oh, I don't have to be as well read as to what's going on in the community around me or, oh, there's a huge homeless camp there. What can I really do? Ah, Give them a quarter and just move on. Like, let's start to like shed that mold. Very similar to how, you know, a, a caterpillar gets out of its cocoon and it becomes a butterfly to fly. Like, let's find a way to really take over the ownership and get right with ourselves that we are tomorrow's leaders. I mean, we can be followers, we can be leaders. You know, if you're listening to this show, I already know that you're like cut of the same cloth because you're asking yourself, how can I improve? So, therefore, in my mind, you're a fucking leader. And so, I think it's time for us to really get right with ourselves that we are tomorrow's leaders and our character is what will help us. Show up and execute right for the masses that we're ultimately going to help take to the next level. So, when I think about it from that perspective, I don't know about you, but my spine straightens up. It's almost like, yo, I'm about to get called on. Like, I I played varsity basketball three out of the four years of high school, man. And I always remember being on the bench and like looking at the scoreboard and looking at my coach, Coach Cooks, be like, yo, man, I can tell he he just did that thing with his hand. He's about to call on me, right? And when you know you're about to get called on, to go out in the game, to hopefully produce the result that it is that you want, which is the W, the win, you're getting your mind right about what it is you need to do to go out and execute. So I need everybody listening to this podcast right now taking on more personal ownership over what their role is. You've heard Ike saying, hey, I'm trying to unpack. I'm trying to figure out like, like what it is I'm going to lend myself to. You see me doing this podcast. It's same thing. I'm trying to prepare myself. Everybody needs to be preparing themselves. And, you know, I, if you have any words on that, man, please feel free. But other than that, man, like, like let's cap this thing up, man. Cause I'm sure the people are like, damn, this is, this is getting a little long. <laughs> <laughs>
0: to go back to the generation, it's generation Y. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's really now is it's like I said earlier, it's a perfect storm in the sense that we have more time than we probably most of us have ever really had to really look at ourselves in the mirror and and work on ourselves to to be better versions of that when things potentially go back to the quote unquote, you know, new normal. And so at the end of the day, you know, I think it's, you know, like we talked about, you know, off air, it's really important to continue to do the education. I I don't know a lot of things out there, but I understand that and I recognize that. And that's why I'm reading more books than I ever have. And that's why I'm having more conversations than I've had. You know, I've had great conversations with my parents, for example, recently where, you know, growing up for the majority of my life, it's like we had great conversations, you know, when I was with them or when I'm on the phone with them, but it wasn't like, you know, I wouldn't say it was surface level, but it wasn't like the deepest of conversations, but especially as of late, you know, we're diving into, you know, different things as it related to, actions or decisions or or things that happen you know throughout my entire life and having a better understanding i think that the older i get the more i start to just not look at you know my life and look at life in general just from like my perspective i try to see things from other people's perspective Mm -hmm. i try to see things you know as it relates to this i try to see things from a parental perspective as well and i think it's really important you know for us to really like i keep saying for us to really see this permanent change that we want to see in you know in our country in our society it it really has to start with understanding better having these conversations educating you know oneself and really being vulnerable and open and loving as it relates to Mm. you know any anything that you encounter in your life and so at the end of the day you know, I don't want to be on a soapbox here as I'm talking about this, but I do think it really starts with, you know, people just understanding like, hey, you know, fuck what society tells you to think and, and and fuck what has happened in the past. Let's focus on what I can do in my individual life, what we can do together to help really shape a better world. And so I think once enough of us are really thinking about that and, and starting to create strategies and 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 paths towards that, I think that's when we'll see you know, we'll start to see that, that real permanent lasting, yeah. you know, change in this country. And at the end of the day, you know, it's, you know, I think it starts with, you know, the simpleness of really just having, you know, these conversations. Yeah. With, with anyone
2: yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I was going to say, I, I love you, man. You love know, you. I, I've known you now over 10 years. I think I met you back in 2009, maybe 2010. So somewhere around yeah. 10 years, like, like yeah. a decade, man, like that's, that's a pretty good amount of time, man. Man, and I can't remember what it was that had us really connect. I mean, I'm sure there was a moment. I I'm so fascinated about relationships and what that moment was, where you instantly knew, right? And the other person knew, like, damn, this is a fucking homie. Like, this is a real one. This is a cool person. I'm I, I'm jazz, right? Like, I'm excited and. I wanna leave you guys with this. I wanna leave you guys with this. I think that there are so many more of those amazing, blissful, heartwarming moments for all of us out there, right? Where we're in a conversation with someone, it doesn't matter race, gender, religion, none of that matters, but we're in a conversation with someone we're just hearing them for them and the ideas that they're sharing and what's being exchanged. And there's that moment in your chest. And everybody listening to this conversation has had that. Maybe you don't remember the first time, but you've had that moment where you're like, damn, this is dope, this is cool. Like, let's strive for more of those guys. They are out there and I promise you, they are out there for people that maybe where you're at today in your life, you wouldn't even imagine the kind of people that you can have those moments with. But I just ask that you guys stay open-minded to that. To the idea that you can have a lot more of those moments with people that you wouldn't even imagine you'd be interacting with i love you guys thank you so much for listening please be sure to check out the show notes below ike and i will have both of our social media and email handles there we invite you to continue on with us please if you got any questions reach out to us we'll probably be doing some more of of these types of things um i don't know if it will be on the free time podcast maybe ike and i will fucking drop our own podcast. Maybe Ike will drop his own podcast. I don't know, but (laughs) I'm going to plant those seeds out there because this is just the very beginning. Like I said, we are tomorrow's leaders. If you're listening to this show, you're a fucking leader. Don't doubt that for a second. Don't judge yourself off of where you're at today, but think about the possibilities about where you can be tomorrow. And with that, we'll come at y'all soon. Peace. Thanks guys for listening. Love
1: you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. So there's no better time than the present to get into the arena of your life and to start moving towards your purpose and potential. Peace. Hey, I wanna
2: personally thank you again for tuning in. At the end of the day, I really do believe that we're all in this game of life to help one another out. And that the best way we can do this is through sharing our stories more openly and honestly. And so, if you like the show, please take a quick minute to leave us a rating, drop us a review, and subscribe for more. Also, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story. Please head over to carlsona.com slash chat. That's Carl with a K, S-O-N-A dot com slash chat to book a 15-minute free Zoom call with me. And I can't wait to see you there.